Give it honor to our Lord and our Thank Savior, Jesus. Jesus the Christ. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus the righteous, as the scripture we read before said. Thank you, Jesus. We're giving thanks to him, the author and the finisher of our faith. He who began this and who ultimately will finish it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's all in him. The fullness of the Godhead bodily. It's all in him. So when I have this obsession with Christ, yes. don't, don't, don't get twisted on it as if I've somehow excluded something else. It's all in him. Thank you, Jesus. I'm, I'm not excluding the Jehovah God. It's, it's all in him. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not excluding the Holy Spirit. It's all in him. Jesus, when he came, he said, if you ask him for the Holy Spirit, ask in my name. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. It's all in him. Thank you, Jesus, the mighty God, our Savior. So if I refer to Jesus exclusively, just please don't hold that against me. In fact, you should hold it for me. Because what I'm doing is including everything. Because it's all in him. Thank you, Jesus. Let's bless the name of the Lord this morning. Thank you, Jesus. This week... I've been thinking a lot about um, Psalms 23. And actually, something has been kind of ruminating in me, and I'd like to believe it's the Holy Spirit. And in fact, what I would like to do over the course of the next few weeks, regardless of what I preach or teach, I would like you to meditate on these words. I'd like you to take a few minutes every single day to read Psalms 23 for yourselves. And when I use the word meditate, what I'm really saying is I want you to sit with those words yes. in your mind yes, 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 yes. and just consider them deeply. That's what I really mean by meditate, is to consider something deeply, to engage with the words in a repeated fashion over some period of time. I'm not asking you to take an hour. I'm asking you to take five minutes of your day, every day, at least for the next week. Next week, we may get expired for something else. But for this week, we're going to say five minutes every day. I'm going to sit and with these words. It's better if you've memorized them, but it's not necessary. Right? But when you meditate on something, what it is, you sit with it on your spirit and let it take you where it's going to take you. I believe the word of the Lord is alive. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Very much. Very much. But it's just like a seed. If you don't have the right conditions it's not going to grow so you could have a seed I could sit a seed right here on this table for a year and it yield nothing or I could plant it in winter and yield nothing I have to wait for a particular time and a moment for the conditions for the seed so that it grows right so I'm asking you to take a moment and create a scenario for the Holy Spirit to move with you with these words I'm asking you to do it artificially you know how they have those I don't know if you've seen them where they have um, those Um, greenhouses what they're doing is setting up an artificial condition to grow something that wouldn't ordinarily grow at that season the greenhouse is designed to make sure that even if it's winter it doesn't matter matter. something's going to grow I'm asking you in the middle of this winter I know it's spring 
I'm saying in the middle of this winter. Do you understand what I'm saying? In this winter, I'm asking you to meditate on this word. There's something in here that the church needs today. I'm convinced of it. Thank you, Jesus. I'm asking you five minutes a day. That's all I'm asking. You know what we'll do for meditation sometimes? We will meditate on everything else. And we will meditate on negative stuff the most. Meditation is not a magic word. Let me just be very clear. It's just a word that means to consider something deeply and engage with it. You will engage with negative stuff deeply and for longer than five minutes every single day. You will consider how terrible a day you've had for for hours. I do it myself. For hours. You'll sit on it. It was really bad. We will consider it. Oh, that exam was terrible. The teacher didn't do me right. Yes. Won't we? Yes. My boss doesn't give me the raise I think I deserve. And we will sit with that in our spirit. Yes. And let me tell you this, it will grow something. Yes. Help us, yes. Jesus. It grows something in yes. you because you're meditating on it. Yes. I'm saying the word is yet more powerful right. yes. than the bad report you got at work, yes. than the bad exam you had, yes. than the crooked teacher, yes. than the terrible boss. Yes. I'm saying the word deserves a special place. Yes. Five minutes. It deserves it. Doesn't it? It absolutely deserves a place. So that's what we're going to do this week. We're going to set aside a few minutes to meditate on Psalms 23. And in fact, before I get into this word, we're just going to stand and we're going to read it together, if you would. We're going to read it in unison. Thank you, Jesus. Psalms 23, when you found it, please say amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I dwell dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. May God have blessed you to the reading of his word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Please take your seat. Um, Here we see David um, in this particular psalm. Um, This may, I don't know if it's the most um, read one, it may be. Um, but certainly it's the one that we generally know, generally know off by heart, right? It's the one that we can commit to memory because we read it quite a lot. In, in, so it's a very popular Psalms. Um, we don't know, obviously, necessarily the, the circumstance surrounding the, the, the creation of this particular Psalm, but we know David was poetic. We know he was a songwriter. We know he was a musician. So we know he had several skills in this particular area. What I'm told as well, and I don't know Hebrew that well, what I'm told is that we miss some of the poetic, um, the, the poetic beauty of, of, of the Psalms because we don't read it in Hebrew, right? So you know how sky um, rhymes with pie in English, right? That's poet that gives me some kind of nature of poetry, right? The idea of how one word's length matches another word's length in in poetry or has the same amount of syllables in it 
that lends to the poetry of it. Um, but that's in English. It doesn't necessarily, if I'm speaking those same words in Spanish, it may not work the same way, right? Same way in Hebrew, I think we lose a little bit by not knowing it. But the word, that's why I'm so tight on keeping the word the way we have it right now. Because I don't want to lose nothing about what we've received. But the scripture tells us here that David is calling on something in his own memory and his own mind in order to look at the Lord. He's saying the Lord... In the first phrase, the Lord, right, is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And it's just a beautiful beginning to this, this, this whole psalm here. I love it because it, it reflects back on his, own, on his own life and what he would do, right? It's amazing. If it was me, I wouldn't be able to say that because I wouldn't necessarily understand what it would be to be a shepherd. And let me just go go back over that, because when we first are introduced to David, Mm -hmm. he's looking after sheep. That's his job. He's not a king when we're introduced to him. He doesn't know nothing about being a king when we are introduced to David. David is a shepherd. And in fact, when God goes to call him, he's doing what his job is, Mm -hmm. and that is to be a shepherd. So there's a relationship here between sheep and shepherd that we have to investigate to understand why he's using this as a reasonable comparison for what the Lord is to me, to him, right? Because if I said the Lord is a software developer, it wouldn't make no sense unless you understood something about what software developer. Maybe if I'm a program, I can say the Lord is my software developer. That would work. I'm a website. The Lord is my ed designer. I'm a child in the classroom. The Lord is my teacher. Huh? I'm a design. The Lord is my designer. Huh? I'm a, you know, I'm a something in inventory. The Lord is my, right? These things work, but we have to understand why shepherd works distinctly. Shepherd works particularly well because of a certain thing we have to understand about sheep. Sheep are like dogs in that the humans have looked after them for so long, they really don't understand what it is to look after themselves anymore. Dogs over the last hundred years, we've created dozens and dozens and dozens of new types of dogs. We breed them in a particular way and we produce Labradors. We breed them in a particular way. Can you imagine a chihuahua trying to make it out there? Wouldn't be able to do it. Wouldn't know what to do. It needs to be held the whole time, apparently. A chihuahua doesn't know what to do except for be held. It couldn't catch a rat, mouse. It couldn't do nothing in the wild. We have bred it exclusively to look after it, to be a companion. Sheep are similar in that we've bred the wild out of them. And we've said, we'll look after you. Right? We've essentially said, sheep, you don't have any horns anymore because we didn't want to be, be having to deal with that. We, you don't run too far because we didn't have to deal with chasing you all over the wilderness. We've designed them to, to keep together and to keep in one place. And so sheep have lost that natural ability to look after themselves. And so when David is saying, the Lord is my shepherd, he is first of all saying, the Lord, I have a relationship with the Lord, and I am nothing more than a sheep in this particular relationship, and he is the shepherd. He's able to say this confidently because he knows what it's like to be a shepherd when other things are his sheep. He understands what it is to look after somebody or something who can't look after themselves. David is pronouncing 
that he needs the Lord's help in everything he's doing. David as a king sitting on his throne with all the power of all the armies and all the weapons that they have, all the military might they have, all the generals and captains that refer and respond to him, he's saying, Lord, I'm still a sheep right here. If he's a king, that means he's wealthy. If it's a king, it means he has land. If it's a king, it means he has income from taxes. If he's a king, he means he has people talking to him and saying, and bowing to him every single day. But with all of that in mind, David still says, Lord, you're the shepherd and I'm the sheep. Lord, you're the shepherd. Thank you, Jesus, and I'm the sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. He's taking the time to say, Lord, I am nothing in this relationship. You know, it would be one thing if he said, we are all the shepherds, and you put the Lord right next to him, but he didn't. He said, I am a different class of species to you. I, I don't get to register. No one cares what the f- a sheep's favorite color is. You, you never thought about it. What's his favorite fruit? You're going to get what we give you. Right? That's the truth. You don't care if he says, I don't want to be shaved this particular summer. Right. You just go ahead and shave and take the wool. That's right. That's right. This is what he's saying about the Lord. Lord, you own me. Yes. Lord, you direct me. Yes. Lord, you move me. Amen. Lord, you send me. If sheep were left to themselves and they had to genuinely fend for themselves, they would die out very, very quickly. In England, we, we are, we are e- easily able to let sheep wander anywhere. If you go to Wales especially, you'll see sheep everywhere walking across the street. That's because there's no natural predators left in the United Kingdom. We don't have any big cats there. We don't have, the most we have is fox. I think is the biggest predator that we have is a fox. We don't even have coyotes. So if you had coyotes, you'd probably have to be a bit more careful about how and where sheep were. But because there are no natural predators, those sheep wander, especially in Wales, everywhere. Anywhere the farmer's land is, they can wander without danger, without worry. But that's not the case where David was. Where David was, there was lions and there was bears. So being a shepherd isn't just about owning something. It's about the ability to take care of the something that you have. So David is saying, not only as the Lord my shepherd, but he's also my protector and defender. Being a shepherd isn't about just supplying food. It's about protecting the thing that you have. Thank you, Jesus. We as sheep then understand that we can't protect. Have you ever seen, I don't know if you've ever seen, one of the saddest things to me is seeing a sheep with a lamb and trying to defend the lamb because he has no natural defenses. The horns have gone, they'll try to butt, but there's nothing there to, to, they can't help themselves. There's several tricks people use for, for, for looking after sheep. Either they sit there the whole time, or they'll have sheep dogs that look like sheep sitting in amongst them. But whatever it is, we try to protect our sheep because they can't look after themselves. David is saying, as king of Israel, yes, sir. I can't look after myself. That's what he's saying straight, straight away with this first sentence of this prayer is that I cannot defend myself against the lions and the bears. I cannot defend myself. Thank you, Jesus. He's immediately putting the responsibility 
of taking care of himself and taking care of his people in the hands of the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. What is fascinating about the next part of the verse is I shall not want. I shall not want. And this is an important one here. I, um, this, this week I um, got a, one of the uh, magazines, the um, kind of brochures from Guitar Center. Right. Guitar Center send these things out right. weekly. You know, once you buy something and they give them their address or your email, that is it. They're going to give you stuff for the rest of your life. Now, I've happily, I've had this bass for, I think it's two or three years now. Um, I've just bought a little instrument to kind of change the sound up a little bit. I've got this speaker here. Everything I could ever want. I've had more, I have more now for my bass than I've ever had in my life. I'm 43. And I have, you know, you have a little bit more disposable income. You can get what you want. So I've had all these things. I bought whatever it is I wanted. I pretty much got, right? They sent this magazine. And I started looking. I said, whoa, I want this. This looks... And before I, I said, wait a minute, I don't want any of these things. You've just tricked me into thinking there was a gap when there was no gap whatsoever. I was perfectly happy until I opened the magazine and all of a sudden inside I said, whoa, that's what I wanted this whole time. Yes, sir. Come on, sir. We have to be very careful about the environments we create around ourselves. You'll find yourself wanting things that are not even things you want or need, but because it's presented to you in a way that it disrupts the idea of what you've satisfied with. I've been satisfied right up until I opened the magazine. That tells me it was invented by what I saw. That want was invented by what I saw. They deliberately tried to trick me into wanting something that I didn't want one second before that. And to be honest, I tore tore it up, then I tore it up, and I threw it in the bin because I said to myself, they just almost tricked me into thinking that what I had wasn't good enough. What I had was way good enough, but it created something in me. And I've been praying about this recently, and what I'm saying, I said, Lord, creating me the correct desires. Yes, hallelujah. Creating me the appropriate desires. Because there's some things, he'll give us what we want to be clear, but some of the things we want are neither appropriate or or correct. And we have to be careful of the things we consume. I use that as an example, pretty harmless, right? But there are some things that create a desire in us. Yes, yes. That takes us away from instead of toward God. Thank you, Jesus. What this scripture is saying to to me is that the Lord is going to create a situation for us where we won't want anything else but the Lord. I won't want or desire anything else but the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Our flesh is, is, is tricked by really nice colors, yeah. by things that taste sweet or salty, sweet or savory, sure. right? Yes, we will get an overdose of it. I remember I, I used to have to be very careful. Um, chocolate hobnobs. Yeah. I told Tony, Sister Tony, don't bring those in the house anymore. <laughs> all right, sir. All right. Because I would eat one, and before I knew it, the whole thing was gone. It got to the point where I said, okay, only bring over three. Okay, just don't even bring them in the house. Because I would start, and when I finished, I, I would regret it because I'd eaten too much chocolate hobnobs. It's a tragedy of the flesh 
Isn't it? It's a shame, isn't it? But your flesh can do that to you. It creates a want, and then you go after it as if you can't get enough of it. And then once you've got all you want, you're saying, then, Lord, why did I take all? It's the want you don't want. That's what the world has got really good at, is creating a want in you that you really don't want. And I'm asking you to be guarded against it. The shepherd's job is to get you into a place that's safe, that's got food, and that is well for you. The world's job is to distract you away from that place and make you think that it's better over here than it is where the shepherd has put you. I'm asking you to be keep your eyes on the shepherd because he's going to put you in the right place. The world is trying to attract you away from the place that the shepherd has designed for you. Let's look at verse 2. Now I want to take my seat. Verse 2. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. What is this saying? This is a direct, in direct conflict with what I was just saying, because in, I shall not want, yeah. right? But yet we somehow think that where the shepherd has put us is somehow not good enough, yeah. right? So the shepherd is saying, I'm going to bring you, I want to make you lie down in a particular place. And it's not like he's physically doing it. The shepherd is guiding you to a place, blocking off all exits, making sure you get to the field designated for food and for safety and for shelter. That's what the shepherd's job is, to block off the exits, make it difficult for you to get in another direction because he knows the best eating is over there for you. The The sheep don't know strategically anything. They don't say to themselves, well, in two weeks there's going to be a storm, so that pipe might flood. Or it's not saying to themselves, well, that place we just ate there three weeks ago, so let's not go back there. He's, the sheep is just wandering from grass patch to grass patch. That's the best the sheep can do, wander around. But the shepherd's thinking strategically about what is the best place for you. Yes, so he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Is the Lord steering you in the direction that's best for your growth, that's best for your safety? And the question you've got to ask yourself is, can the world place me in a better place than the shepherd can? And the answer to me is definite no. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It may appeal to your sweet and savory senses. It may be colorful. It may look good to the eye. But the shepherd has selected that which is best for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's look again. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He has created scenarios for me where I will have everything that I need. Thank you, Jesus. He leadeth me beside the still water. Do you know what his sheep cannot do very well is swim? When you have wool and you have water, I don't know if you've ever been, when I was young, we went to on a kind of like an outdoor pursuits thing and I had a, really heavy blue sweater and I and it was made of wool and I fell into some water yeah. complete I could have got out normally but this sweater was so bogged down with water essentially it was I needed help getting out right because water and wool they just attract one another so if you can imagine now a sheep next to a water that is running quickly 
you wouldn't be able to, the sheep probably wouldn't be able to survive it. So what the shepherd is doing is putting them next to a place where you can get water, drink from safely, and not have to worry about your life when you're drinking. Now, if it's next to a river that's running quickly, we don't know how the sheep will do in that scenario. So what am I saying is the shepherd is designing an environment around us, around us. The Lord is designing an environment around us that is good for us, that is safe for us, and that gives us the nourishment we need. Thank you, Jesus. Meanwhile, the world is creating environments around his environment that is trying to attract us out of the place that the shepherd has put us directly in. Thank you, Jesus. We have to be very careful about what the, what the world is presenting as safe, what the world is presenting as appropriate, what the world is presenting as food, what the world is presenting as safe versus what the Lord has designed for us, what the Lord has given us. Thank you, Jesus. We have to be very careful. The world is presenting a whole different definition of safe. And in their definition of safe, the water is not still. And in their definition of safe, the water, the, green, the pastures are not green. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord has created the environment that is right for us. Thank you, Jesus. David knew what this meant. When David went to go fight Goliath, he, he said his qualifications. He said, I looked after my father's sheep and I fought the lion. I fought the bear. Thank you, Jesus. David was deliberate about his qualifications, which is why he's deliberate about saying what he's saying about the Lord. A good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. A good shepherd looks after his sheep no matter what. David had every opportunity to run when a bear came. He had every opportunity to run. He had every opportunity to come when a lion came, but he didn't run, he looked after his sheep. Thank you, Jesus. If that's how David was for his regular sheep, his regular sheep that were just there as creatures for use for me and my family, how much then is the shepherd? Thank you, Jesus. Going to treat us. Thank you, Jesus. How much then is the shepherd going to... You know, if, if it's the shepherd thing is confusing you, think about it like a father with children. If a father has seven children, like my brother does, and he takes them out and then comes back with six, and they told Sister Anne, you know what? Well, we got six. Let's just call it even. It's craziness, right? Doesn't make sense. Every single child is absolutely precious. That's how we've got to see ourselves to the Lord. Every one of us is absolutely precious. Every single one of us. The Lord is my shepherd. Thank you, Jesus. He is creating a scenario for me where I won't want anything else. And anything else that you want is a trick and you have to identify it. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. That means he's creating scenarios for me to be in a place of abundance for myself. Thank you, Jesus. We're talking about green pastures. That means it's been raining well. It's it's like springtime in the place he's putting me. My problem is that I'm trying, I don't recognize what abundance looks like. Thank you, Jesus. My problem is that I don't, I'm not very good at recognizing abundance. My problem is that I can't foresee abundance. 
You know, some, you know my, my, um, if you were to look at my grass six weeks ago, it looked brown and looked dying. But because me and Sister Tanya have been at the house for 10 years now, I know that give it a few more weeks and that grass will be green. Now you give it a few more weeks and someone will tear it up. But I knew at this moment, I knew at this particular moment, in these few weeks, it's going to be green and beautiful. That's what the shepherd is doing. He's strategically figuring out when the pastures will be green for you. Now you've got, you've got there, you say, oh, this is brown. He said, let me go find some. No, no, the, the, the shepherd has figured out when it's going to be green for you. Thank you, Jesus. The shepherd has thought about this ahead of time. He's not just, he's not just wandering around thinking about this off the top of his head. The shepherd has figured this out for you. And I'm asking you to trust the shepherd. I'm asking you to put your heart and give it to the shepherd because the Lord will take care of you. The Lord will take take care of you. I want to leave it right here. I want to ask again, and before I take my seat, I want to ask again, meditate on these words. At once, just once a day. I'm not asking you to spend an hour, just a few minutes, just sitting with these words. Memorize them, repeat them, and meditate on them in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.